Welcome back to our Kartik reading of Bhagavatam at Govardhan Hill. Those of you who have joined us online, thank you very much. We're delighted to have you along. And those who are here in the live studio audience, thank you very much for moving heaven and earth to come here and stay at Govardhan Hill just to hear the Bhagavatam. We'll be starting with the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and we'll make our way through the fourth canto. We have several hours a day, around two, two and a half hours in the morning, and same amount in the afternoon. For now, we've decided we'll be meeting at 10.30. Today was an exception because we had a longer morning program. And in the afternoon, we're going to go from 4 to 4 to 6.30. 4 to 6.30. And uh, we will take uh, uh, some short, well, at intervals, we'll stop and have um, some reflections. And we have a microphone to pass around so everyone online can hear also. And that includes anybody who's outside listening from the gallery, the luxury boxes out there. Uh, if if you have questions, comments, we'll uh, give you the microphone. Is there one for out there exclusively? There's one for outside exclusively. So you can ask questions or make uh, reflections if you like. It enhances the conversation. I'll be reading from this handy printout that Sarvampabu made for us. It's bigger print. And I also have an extra book, which means uh, if somebody wants to look at the book, I brought this from our room in MVT. You can check that out. Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 1. Genealogical Table of the Daughters of Manu. Everyone ready? Yes. Yes. Sri Maitreya said, Swayambhuva Manu begot three daughters and his wife, Shatarupa, and their names were Akuti, Devahuti, and Prasuti. Purport. First of all, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto our spiritual master, Om Vishnupad Sri Srimad Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Prabhupada, by whose order I am engaged in this Herculean task of writing commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam, as the Bhaktivedanta purports. By his grace, we have finished three cantos already, and we are just trying to begin the fourth canto. By his divine grace, by his by his divine grace, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto Lord Chaitanya, who began this Krishna consciousness movement of Bhagavat Dharma five hundred years ago. And through his grace, let us offer our obeisances to the six Goswamis, and then let us offer our obeisances to Radha and Krishna, the spiritual couple who enjoy eternally in Vrindavan with their cowherd boys and damsels in Rajabhumi. Let us also offer our respectful obeisances to all the devotees and eternal servitors of the Supreme Lord. In this fourth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, there are 31 chapters, and all these chapters describe the secondary creation by Brahma and the Manus. The real creation is done by the Supreme Lord himself by agitating his material energy. And then... By his order, Brahma, the first living creature in the universe, attempts to create the different planetary systems and their inhabitants, expanding the population through his progeny, like Manu and other progenitors of living entities who work perpetually under the order of the Supreme Lord. 
In the first chapter of this fourth canto, there are descriptions of the three daughters of Swayambhuvamanu and their descendants. The next six chapters describe the sacrifice performed by King Daksha and how it was spoiled. Thereafter, the activities of Maharaj Dhruva are described in five chapters. Then, in eleven chapters, the activities of King Prithu are described, and in the next eight chapters, and the next eight chapters are devoted to the activities of the Pracheta kings. As described in the first verse of this chapter, Swayambhuvamanu had three daughters named Akuti, Devahuti, and Prasuti. Of these three daughters, one daughter, Devahuti, was already, has already been described along with her husband, Kardamamuni, and her son, Kapilamuni. In this chapter, the descendants of the first daughter, Akuti, will specifically be described. Swayambhuvamanu is the son of Brahma. Brahma had many other sons, but Manu's name is specifically mentioned first because he was a great devotee of the Lord. In this verse, there's also the word cha, indicating that besides the three daughters mentioned, Swayambhuvamanu also had two sons. Text 2. Akuti had two brothers, but in spite of her brothers, King Swayambhuvamanu handed over handed her over to Prajapati Ruchi on the condition that the son born of her be returned to him as his son. This he did in consultation with his wife, Shatarupa. Purport, sometimes a sonless person offers his daughter to a husband on the condition that his grandson be returned to him to be adopted as his son and inherit his property. This is called Putrikadharma which means that by execution of religious rituals, one gets a son, although he is sonless by his own wife. But here we see extraordinary behavior in Manu, for in spite of his having two sons, he handed over his first daughter to Prajapati Ruchi on the condition that the son born of his daughter be returned to him as his son. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti comments in this connection that King Manu knew that the Supreme Personality of Godhead would take birth in the womb of Akuti. Therefore, in spite of having two sons, he wanted the particular son born of Akuti because he was ambitious to have the Supreme Personality of Godhead appear as his son and grandson. Manu is the lawgiver of mankind, and since he personally executed the Putrika Dharma, it is to be accepted that such a system can be adopted by mankind also. Thus, even though one has a son, if he wants to have a particular son from his daughter, he can give his daughter in charity on that condition. That is the opinion of Srila Jiva Goswami. 3. Ruchi, who is very powerful in his brahminical qualifications and was appointed one of the progenitors of the living entities, begot one son and one daughter by his wife, Akuti. Purport. The word Brahma Varchasvi is significant. Ruchi was a brahmana, and he executed the brahminical duties very rigidly. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, the brahminical qualifications are control of the senses, control of the mind, cleanliness within and without, development of spiritual and material knowledge, simplicity, truthfulness, faith in the Supreme Personality of God, etc., 
There are many qualities which indicate a Brahminical personality, and it is understood that Ruchi followed all the Brahminical principles rigidly. Therefore, he is specifically mentioned as Brahma Varchasvi, one who is born of a Brahmin father but does not act as a Brahmin, is called in Vedic language a Brahmabantu, and is calculated to be on the level of Shudras and women. Thus, in the Bhagavatam, we find that Mahabharata was specifically compiled by Vyasadeva for Sri Shudra Brahmabandhu. Sri means women, Shudra means the lower class of civilized human society, and Brahmabandhu means persons who are born in the families of Brahmanas, but do not follow the rules and regulations carefully. All of these three classes are called less intelligent. They have no access to the study of the Vedas, which are specifically meant for persons who have acquired the Brahminical qualifications. This restriction is not based upon any sectarian distinction, but upon qualification. The Vedic literatures cannot be understood unless one has developed the Brahminical qualifications. It is regrettable, therefore, that persons who have no Brahminical qualifications and who have never been trained under a bona fide spiritual master nevertheless comment on Vedic literatures like the Srimad Bhagavatam and other Puranas, for they cannot deliver their real message. Ruchi was considered a first-class Brahmana, therefore he is mentioned here as Brahma Varchasvi, one who has full prowess in Brahminical strength. 4. Of the two children born of Akuti, the male child was directly an incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and his name was Yajna which is another name of Lord Vishnu. The female child was a partial incarnation of Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, the eternal consort of Lord Vishnu. Purport. Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, is the eternal consort of Lord Vishnu. Here it is stated that both the Lord and Lakshmi, who are eternal consorts, appeared from Akuti simultaneously. Both the Lord and his consort are beyond this material creation as confirmed by many authorities, Narayana Parovyakta. Therefore, their eternal relationship cannot be changed. And Yajna, the boy born of Akuti, later on married the goddess of fortune. 5. Swayambhuvamanu very gladly brought home the boy named Yajna, who was so beautiful, and Ruchi, his son-in-law, kept with him the daughter, Dakshina. Purport. Swayambhuvamanu was very glad to see that his daughter, Akuti, had given birth to both a boy and a girl. He was afraid that he would take one son and that because of this, his son-in-law, Ruchi, might be sorry. Thus, when he heard that a daughter was born along with the boy, he was very glad. Ruchi, according to his promise, returned his male child to Swayambhuvamanu and decided to keep the daughter whose name was Dakshina. One of Lord Vishnu's names is Yajna, because he is the master of the Vedas. The name Yajna comes from Yajushampati. In the Yajurveda, there are different ritualistic prescriptions for performing Yajnas, and the beneficiary of all such Yajnas is the Supreme Lord, Vishnu. Therefore, it is stated in Bhagavad Gita, Jagnartat Karmanaha, one should act, but one should perform his prescribed duties only for the sake of Yajna or Vishnu. 
If one does not act for the satisfaction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or if one does not perform devotional service, then there will be reactions to his to all his activities. It does not matter if the reaction is good or bad. If our activities are not dovetailed with the desire of the Supreme Lord, or if we do not act in Krishna consciousness, then we shall be responsible for the results of all our activities. There is always a reaction to every kind of action, but if actions are performed for yajna, there is no restriction. Thus, if one acts for yajna or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one is not entangled in the material condition. For it is mentioned in the Vedas and also in the Bhagavad Gita that the Vedas and the Vedic rituals are all meant for understanding the Supreme Personality of God in Krishna. From the very beginning, one should try to act in Krishna consciousness. That will free one from the reactions of material activities. 6. The Lord of the ritualistic performance of Yajna later on married Dakshina, who is anxious to have the personality of Godhead as her husband. And in this wife, the Lord was also very much pleased to beget 12 children. Purport, an ideal husband and wife are generally called Lakshmi Narayan, to compare them to the Lord and the goddess of fortune, for it is significant that Lakshmi Narayan are forever happy as husband and wife. A wife should always remain satisfied with her husband, and a husband should always remain satisfied with his wife. In the Chanaka Shloka, the moral instructions of Chanaka Pandit, it is said that if a husband and wife are always satisfied with one another, then the goddess of fortune automatically comes. In other words, where there is no disagreement between husband and wife, there is all material opulence present, and good children are born. Generally, according to Vedic civilization, the wife is trained to be satisfied in all conditions, and the husband, according to Vedic instruction, is required to please the wife with sufficient food, ornaments, and clothing. Then, if they are satisfied with their mutual dealings, good children are born. In this way, the entire world can become peaceful. But unfortunately, in this age of Kali, there are no ideal husbands and wives. Therefore, unwanted children are produced, and there is no peace and prosperity in the present-day world. 7. The twelve boys born of Yajna and Dakshina were named Tosha, Pratosha, Santosha, Bhadra, Shanti, Idaspati, Idma, Kavi, Vibhu, Swahna, Sudev, and Rochana. 8. During the time of Swayambhuva Manu, these sons all became the demigods collectively named the Tushitas. Marichi became the head of the seven rishis and Yajna became the king of the demigods, Indra. Purport. During the life of Swayambhuvamanu, six kinds of living entities were generated from the demigod known as Tushitas. The demigods known as Tushitas. Tushitas. From the sages headed by Marichi and from descendants of Yajna, king of the demigods. And all of them expanded their progeny to observe the order of the Lord, to fill the universe with living entities. These six kinds of living entities are known as Manus, Devas, Manuputras, Amshavataras, Sureshvaras, and Rishis. 
Yajna, being the incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, became the leader of the demigods, Indra. 9. Swayambhuvamanu's two sons, Priyavrata and Uttanapada, became very powerful kings, and their sons and grandsons spread all over the three worlds during that period. 10. My dear son, Swayambhuvamanu, hand, my dear son, Swayambhuvamanu, handed over his very dear daughter, Devahuti, to Kardamamuni. I have already spoken to you about them, and you have heard about them almost in full. 11. Swayambhuvamanu handed over his daughter, Prasuti, to the son of Brahma named Duksha, who was also one of the progenitors of the living entities. The descendants of Duksha are spread through the three worlds. 12. You have already been informed about the nine daughters of Kardamamuni, who were handed over to nine different sages. I shall now describe the descendants of those nine daughters. Please hear from me. Purport. In the third canto, it is already described how Kardamamuni begot nine daughters in Devahuti, and later on, all the daughters were handed over to great sages like Marichi, Atri, and Vashishta. 13. Kardamamuni's daughter, Kala, who was married to Marichi, gave birth to two children, whose names were Kashapa and Purnima. Their descendants are spread all over the world. 14. My dear Vidura, of the two sons, Kashapa and Purnima, Purnima begot three children, namely Viraja, Vishvaga, and Devakulya. Of these three, Devakulya was the water which washed the lotus feet of the Personality of Godhead and later on transformed into the Ganges of the heavenly planets. Purport. Of the two sons, Kashapa and Purnima, herein Purnima's descendants are described. An elaborate description of these descendants will be given in the sixth canto. It is also understood herein that Devakulya is the presiding deity of the river Ganges, which comes down from the heavenly planets to this planet and is accepted to be sanctified because it touched the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari. 15. Anasuya, the wife of Atri Muni, gave birth to three very famous sons, Soma, Dattatreya, and Durvasa, who were partial representations of Lord Vishnu, Lord Shiva, and Lord Brahma. Soma was a partial representation of Lord Brahma, Dattatreya was a partial representation of Lord Vishnu, and Durvasa was a partial representation of Lord Shiva. Purport. In this verse, we find words, the words, Atma Isha Brahma Sambhavan. Atma means the super soul, or Vishnu. Isha means Lord Shiva, and Brahma means the four-headed Lord Brahma. The three sons born of Anasuya, Dathatreya, Durvasa, and Soma, were born as partial representations of these three demigods. Atma is not in the category of the demigods or living entities, because he is Vishnu. Therefore, he is described as Vibhinam Shabhutanam. The Supersoul or Vishnu is the seed-giving father of all living entities, including Brahma and Lord Shiva. Another meaning of the word Atma may be accepted in this way. The principle who is the Supersoul in every Atma or 
one may say, the soul of everyone, became manifested as Dattatreya because the word Angsha, part and parcel, is used here. In Bhagavad Gita, the individual souls are also described as parts of the Supreme Personality of Godhead or Super Soul. So why not accept that Dattatreya is one of those parts? Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma are also described here as parts. So why not accept all of them as ordinary individual souls? The answer is that the manifestations of Vishnu and those of ordinary living entities are certainly all part, parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord, and no one is equal to him. But among the parts and parcels, there are different categories. In the Varaha Purana, it is nicely explained that some of the parts are Shwamsha, Swamsha, and some are Vibhinangsha. Vibhinangsha parts are called Jivas, and Shwamsha parts are in the Vishnu category. In the Jiva category, the Vibhinamsha parts and parcels. In the Jiva category, the Vibhinamsha parts and parcels, there are also gradations. That is explained in the Vishnu Purana, where it is clearly stated that the individual parts and parcels who can travel to any part of the Lord's creation are called Sarvagata and are suffering the pangs of material existence. They are subject to be freed from the coverings of ignorance under material existence, according to different levels of work and under different influences of the modes of material nature. For example, the sufferings of jivas who are situated in the mode of goodness are less than those of jivas situated in the mode of ignorance. Pure Krishna consciousness is the birthright of all living entities because every living entity is part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. The consciousness of the Lord is also in the part and parcel and according to the proportion to which that consciousness is cleared of material dirt, the living entities are differently situated. In the Vedanta Sutra, the living entities of different gradations are compared to candles or lamps with different candle power. For example, some electric bulbs have the power of 1,000 candles, some have the power of 500 candles, some the power of 100 candles, some 50 candles, etc., but all electric bulbs have light. Light is present in every bulb, but the gradations of light are different. Similarly, there are gradations of Brahman. The Vishnu Swamsha, expansions of the Supreme Lord, in different Vishnu forms are like lamps. Lord Shiva is also like a lamp, and the supreme candle power, or the 100% light, is? Shiva. Correct. The Vishnu Tattva has 94%. How many percent? 94%. Correct. The Shiva Tattva has 84%. How much? 84%. Correct. Lord Brahma has 78%. How much does he have? And the living entities are also like Brahma in their conditioned state of power is still more dim. There are gradations of Brahma and no one can deny this fact. There are gradations of Brahman, and no one can deny this fact. Therefore, the words Atmesha Brahma Sambhavan indicate that Dattatreya is directly part and parcel of Vishnu, whereas Durvasa and Soma are parts and parcels of Lord Shiva or uh, and Lord Brahma. <clears throat> so what are the percentages without looking? 94, 84, 78. 
So you can make that the combination to your. That's your could be your password. <laughs> if you admonish somebody, you tell them, you know, why don't you act according to your seventy-eight percent capacity? You're acting like about a twelve right now. Comments, reflections from what we've heard so far, Davinsky's. Hare Krishna. I like Prabhupada's uh, introduction, how he he uh, states in his humility that he feels inadequate and by the mercy of his spiritual master is taking on this Herculean task of presenting the Bhagavatam, the invocation to ask for blessings and not like, yeah, I got this, you know. <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> I've done three cantos already. What's, what's the big deal? But really in pretty much almost every every canto he he's starting out in in a similar tone and also at the end when he closes so it's very exemplary and inspiring so satisfying isn't it yeah who else yes one two Hare Krishna. uh gurmaj you were saying yesterday that Srila Prabhupada had stopped writing the third canto so he could work on the krishna book yeah and i was wondering um like when and where Srila Prabhupada started working on the fourth canto? I don't know. We'll try and find out. I can ask. I'll write these questions down. Oh, oh here it is. It's such a big question. I'll have to use a bigger book. Okay, yes? Whenever a uh, video game or board game or any kind of thing that's not a movie is converted into a movie, there's these things that the director will put in called Easter eggs. Or if you've read the book or you've you've played the video game or something, then you'll notice little kind of nods that allow the other people to get with to know that you know get a deeper meaning from the movie. And I was thinking that there's a lot of those in Prabhupada's books, like little Easter eggs where at least in my experience I felt like there's two ways in which I would I read Prabhupada's books. One in which I'm just going through it almost mechanically and and um, missing out on a lot and just kind of thinking, oh, it's a lot of repetition. But when I actually do sit down and try and hear deeply, I realize how many little things there are that Prabhupada adds in that make it amazing, his purports. And I was just struck by one seemingly obvious and you know thing that I've heard so many times, but when Prabhupada said that the consciousness of the Lord is 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 existing in each and every one of us, and... Um, to uh, be reminded of that intimacy, you know, we hear our parts and parcels of Krishna, but to really th- think about the fact that we actually are his his sons, that we've come from him, and part of him is inside of us, it adds a lot to to the message, and definitely something to think of when chanting, I think. <laughs> nice comment, thank you. Uh, yesterday we went to uh, Mr. Prabhupada's Kutir, actually, in Radha Damodha Temple, and I was, when I entered there, I felt like, oh my goodness, such a small place. And there is, there is, I mean, at that time, 50 years around, you know, the facilities were being even far more, really modest. And then he started that moment. And when we were thinking about here, this small space, I was just thinking like, but the way he, you know, carried on what he wanted, it can happen in any tiny any space. And I was like, when the evening we couldn't get his 
when we enter into temple or the krishna balaram temple it was crowded completely i said that all started from the tiny space yes the physical space is not as important as the idea and the intention what pass it read it read it shila prapad finished second canto and started third canto shrimad bhagavatam 1969 he then took a break to write the krishna books and nectar devotion sometime in 1970-71 he resumed third canto and oversaw the publication of the bhagavad gita as it is by macmillan in 1972 by 1973 the fourth canto was finished where is that from send me the reference okay did you get that okay continuing here we have vidura speaking so get ready text 16 vidura uvacha after hearing this vidura inquired from maitreya my dear master how is it that the three deities brahma vishnu and shiva who are the creator maintainer and destroyer of the whole creation became the offspring of the wife of atri muni purport the inquisitiveness of vidura was quite fitting for he understood that when the super soul lord brahma and lord shiva all appeared through the person of anasuya the wife of atri muni there must have been some great purpose otherwise why should they appear in such a way 17 maitreya said when lord brahma ordered atri muni to create generations after marrying anasuya atri muni and his wife went to perform severe austerities in the valley of the mountain known as riksha 18 in that mountain valley flows a river named dirvindya on the bank of the river there are many ashok trees and other plants full of palasha flowers and there is always the sweet sound of water falling from a waterfall the husband and wife reached that beautiful place 19 there the great sage concentrated his mind by the yoga breathing exercises and thereby controlling all attachment he remained standing on one leg only eating nothing but air and stood there on one leg for hundreds of years what yeah a little different Varsha Shatam 100 years anyway translations just says hundreds but it's 100 years text 20 he was thinking may the lord of the universe of whom i have taken shelter kindly be pleased to offer me a son exactly like him this very i just want to make a quick comment but i just noticed in communication between like interpersonal communication there are certain speech patterns that experts avoid using for instance but cuz but negates everything you said before it one of the nicest people i've ever met you're really smart you can go on with a list that's 10,000 elements long and then you say but which and then it just erased everything and another one that i think is in the same category is somebody like you so you know someone says yeah it's it's really you know we're always looking forward to meeting somebody like you or if people like you then there's a sense of it's not really you it's just people like you and that i always when people say something like that to somebody i always think that it's a sort of very indirect 
not very um, hearty kind of appreciation. It takes, a, it takes off a lot from it. Not maybe as much as but does, but close to it. And that's what I always think of in this pastime. This is proof positive not to use it. He was thinking, may the Lord of the universe, of whom I have taken shelter kindly, be pleased to offer me a son exactly like him. Purport. It appears that the great sage Atri Muni had no specific idea of the supreme personality of Godhead. Of course, he must have been conversant with the Vedic information that there is the supreme personality of Godhead who is the creator of the universe from whom everything emanated and who maintains this created manifestation and in whom the entire manifestation is conserved after dissolution. Yatova imani bhutani. The Vedic mantras give us information of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, so he concentrated his mind upon that Supreme Personality of Godhead, even without knowing his name, just to beg from him a child exactly on his level. Knowledge of God's name is lacking, is also described in Bhagavad Gita, where the Lord says that there are four kinds of men with backgrounds of pious activities who come to him asking what they need. Atri Muni wanted a son exactly like the Lord, and therefore he is not supposed to be a pure devotee, because he had a desire to be fulfilled. And that desire was material. Although he wanted a son exactly like the Supreme Personality of God, and still it was a material desire because he did not want the personality of God in himself, but only a child exactly like him. If he had desired the Supreme Personality of Godhead as his child, he would have been completely free of material desires because he would have wanted the Supreme Absolute Truth. But because he wanted a similar child, that was material. Thus, Atri Muni cannot be counted among the pure devotees. 21. When Atrimuni was engaged in these severe austerities, a blazing fire came out of his head due to his breathing exercise, and that fire was seen by the three principal deities of the three worlds. Purport. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, the fire of pranayama is mental satisfaction, and that was perceived by the supersoul Vishnu, and thereby Lord Brahma and Shiva also perceived it. By his breathing exercise, Atri Muni concentrated on the Supersoul, or the Lord of the Universe. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord of the Universe is Vasudev. Vasudeva Sarvamitti. And by the direction of Vasudev, Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva work. Therefore, on the direction of Vasudev, both Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva perceived the severe penance adopted by Atri, Atri Muni, and thus they were very pleased to come down, as stated in the next verse. That's interesting. The fire of pranayama is mental satisfaction, and that was perceived by the Supersoul Vishnu. 22. At that time, the three deities approached the hermitage of Atrimuni, accompanied by the denizens of the heavenly planets, such as the celestial beauties, the Kandarvas, the Siddhas, the Vidyadras, and the Nagas. And thus they entered the ashrama of the great sage who had become so famous by his austerities. Purport. It is advised in the Vedic literatures that one should take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the Lord of the universe and who is the master of creation, maintenance, and dissolution. He is known as the Supersoul 
And when one worships the Supersoul, all other deities such as Brahma and Shiva appear with Lord Vishnu because they are directed by the Supersoul. 23. The sage was standing on one leg, but as soon as he saw that the other three deities had appeared before him, he was so pleased to see them all together that despite great difficulty, he approached them on one leg. 24. Thereafter, he began to offer prayers to the three deities who were seated on different carriers, a bull, a swan, and Garuda, and who held in their hands a drum, kusha grass, and a discus. The sage offered them his respects by falling down like a stick. Purport, danda means a long rod, and vat means like. Before a superior, one has to fall down on the ground just like a stick, and this sort of offering of respect is called dandavat. Atri Rishi offered his respect to the three deities in that way. They were identified by their different carriers and different symbolic representations. In that connection, it is stated here that Lord Vishnu was sitting on Garuda, a big aquiline bird, and was carrying in his hand a disc. Brahma was sitting on a swan and had in his hand kusha grass, and Lord Shiva was sitting on a bull and was carrying in his hand a small drum called a dumura. Archery Rishi recognized them by their symbolic representations and different carriers, and thus he offered them prayers and respects. Aquiline? Aquiline? Can somebody look it up, please? Garuda, a big aquiline bird. Is it related to eagles? That's what it says? Tell us the origin of the word. Oh, you got to use the mic. Other people online will never know what aquiline means. Of a person's nose, hooked or curved like an eagle's beak. Origin Latin. Aquilia, Aquilinus, Aquiline. aquiline. Which means? Aquilia, eagle. Mid-17th century from Latin, Aquilinus, from Aquilia, eagle. Oh, just see. Text 25. Atri Muni was greatly pleased to see that the three devas were gracious toward him. His eyes were dazzled by the effulgence of their bodies, and therefore he closed his eyes for the time being. Purport, since the deities were smiling, he could understand that they were pleased with him. Their glaring bodily effulgences were intolerable to his eyes, so he closed them for the time being. 26, 27. But since his heart was already attracted by the deities, somehow or other he gathered his senses, and with folded hands and sweet words he began to offer prayers to the predominating deities of the universe. The great sage Atri said, O Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu and Lord Shiva, you have divided yourself into three bodies by accepting the three modes of material nature, as you do in every millennium for the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of the cosmic manifestation, I offer my respectful obeisances unto all of you and beg to inquire whom of you three I have called by my prayer. Purport. Atri Rishi called for the Supreme Personality of God at Jagadishwar, the Lord of the Universe. The Lord must exist before the creation. Otherwise, how could he be its Lord? If someone constructs a big building, 
This indicates that he must have existed before the building was constructed. Therefore, the Supreme Lord, the creator of the universe, must be transcendental to the material modes of nature. But it is known that Vishnu takes charge of the mode of goodness, Brahma takes charge of the mode of passion, and Lord Shiva takes charge of the mode of ignorance. Therefore, Atri Muni said that Jagadishwar, the Lord of the universe, must be one of you. But since three of you have appeared, I cannot recognize whom I have called. You are all so kind. Please let me know who is actually Jagadishwar, the Lord of the universe. In fact, Atri Rishi was doubtful about the constitutional position of the Supreme Lord Vishnu, but he was quite certain that the Lord of the universe cannot be one of the creatures that he was in doubt about, excuse me, created by Maya. I'll read that again. In fact, Atri Rishi was doubtful about the constitutional position of the Supreme Lord Vishnu, but he was quite certain that the Lord of the universe cannot be one of the creatures created by Maya. His very inquiry about whom he called for, called for indicates that he was in doubt about their constitutional about the constitutional position of the Lord. Therefore he prayed to all three, kindly let me know who is the transcendental Lord of the universe. He was, of course, certain that not all of them could be the Lord, but the Lord of the universe was one of the three. 28. I called for the Supreme Personality of God, desiring a son like him, and I thought of him only. But although he is far beyond the mental speculation of man. All three of you have come here. Finally, let me know how you have come, for I am greatly bewildered about this. Purport. Atri Muni was confidentially aware that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Lord of the universe. So he prayed for the one Supreme Lord. He was surprised, therefore, that three of them appeared. 29. The great sage Maitreya continued. The three great deities smiled upon hearing Atri Muni speak in that way, and they replied in the following sweet words. Deva Uchu. The three deities told Atri Muni, Dear Brahmana, you are perfect in your determination, so, you have de- so as you have decided, so it will happen. It will not happen otherwise. We are all the same person upon whom you were meditating. And we have all come to you. Purport. Atri Muni unspecifically thought of the Supreme Personality of God as the Lord of the Universe, although he had no clear idea of the Lord of the Universe, nor of his specific form. Mahavishnu, from whose breathing millions of universes emanate, and into whom they are again withdrawn, may be accepted as the Lord of the Universe. Garbhadakshai Vishnu, from whose abdomen sprouted the lotus flower, which is the birthplace of Brahma, can also be considered the lord of the universe. Similarly, Kshirdakshai Vishnu, who is the supersoul of all living entities, can also be considered the lord of the universe. Then under the order of Kshirdakshai Vishnu, the lord, the Vishnu form, rather, within this universe, Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva can also be accepted as the lords of the universe. Vishnu is the lord of the universe because he is its maintainer. Similarly, Brahma creates the different planetary systems and the population, so he also can be considered the lord of the universe. Or Lord Shiva, 
who is ultimately destroyer of the universe, also can be considered its Lord. Therefore, since Atri Muni did not specifically mention whom he wanted, all three, Brahma, Vishnu, and Lord Shiva, came before him. They said, since you were thinking of having a son exactly like the Supreme Personality of God, the Lord of the universe, your determination will be fulfilled. In other words, one's determination is determination is fulfilled according to the strength of one's devotion. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Yanti Deva Vrta Devan Pitranyantir Patir Brataha If one is attached to a particular demigod, he is promoted to the abode of that demigod. If one is attached to the Pitris or forefathers, he is promoted to their planet. And similarly, if one is attached to the Supreme Personality of God Krishna, he is promoted to the abode of Lord Krishna. Atri Muni actually had no clear conception of the Lord of the universe. Therefore, the three presiding deities, who are actually the lords of the universe, in the three departments of the modes of nature, all came before him. Now, according to the strength of his determination for a son, his desire would be fulfilled by the grace of the Lord. 31. You will have sons who will represent a partial manifestation of our potency, and because we desire all good fortune for you, those sons will glorify your reputation throughout the world. 32. Thus, while the couple looked on, the three deities, Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwar, disappeared from that place after bestowing upon Atri Muni the benediction. 33. Thereafter, from the partial representation of Brahma, the moon god was born of them. From the partial representation of Vishnu, the great mystic Dathatreya was born. And from the partial representation of Shankara, Lord Shiva, Durvasa was born. Now you may hear from me of the many sons of Angira. And uh, we'll hear about them just after we take a Gayatri break. And we'll be back here it's at 12. We'll be back at 10 minutes after 12 for the continuation of the saga. Thanks, everyone. Online, we'll be right back. 